Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Go ahead and get your Bibles out. And uh, if you have your Bible or a Bible app, open them up to two locations. One is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And the second is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Hold those two locations. We'll go to the first Timothy, the second Timothy passage initially. And then, uh, then near the end of the message, I'm going to hit that, that other passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But mark both of those, please. Um, and and I, I want you to, I, I, I think it's important that you actually get the Bibles out and look this stuff up. Now, I know if you're in here, we're going to put it on the screens. If you're watching online, you're going to see it pop up on the screen. And that's nice. That's just to encourage you and help you. But when you actually take it and you look for it in your Bible, you're able to mark it. It makes more sense to you. You can also look at it in context. And here's another deal. You can test me to make sure I'm really saying what's in the Bible. Uh, we don't ever want to get to the point where we, we were just like, okay, sure, they said it's in the Bible, so it's there. I've heard a lot of people say that th- certain things are in the Bible, and I ask where, and they don't know where it is. And I'm like, well, I've studied that book. I've read it a lot, and I don't, I've never seen that in there. But, you know, if it's there, let me know. And, and so it's important to, to be in God's Word and also to have it with you. So whether it's, a, whether it's, a, uh, whether it's on an app or on a computer or whether it's a, it's a leather-bound, Bible, man, do it, do it, get into God's Word. But as you're looking up those two locations, uh, my message title today is this. It's a little interesting, sounds a little slang, but here it is. It's what spirit you got? That's it. That's that's my question. What spirit you got? What spirit you got? That term spirit is used a lot in our culture. In fact, there's this term we, we, we use this um, quite a bit. It's the term spiritual. And I'm just telling you right now, spiritual can mean a lot of things. I was driving by, actually I was walking downtown here and I saw this, a brand new little storefront and it said spiritual healing. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I've never seen that before. And then I realized, okay, this is not the same spirit that I worship. This is a different spirit. So just because you call something spiritual or something is called spiritual doesn't mean it's from God. Now, I want to just give you some quick teaching on this so that you do understand this. There are four types of spirit. And, and, and it's important just to know the distinction between them because as we grow as believers, we need to know this. And, and the, there are no notes on this, so you've got to jot this down on your own. But but one type of spirit is us. We are a three-part be- being, body, soul, and spirit. That means your physical body, your emotions, and your mind. And the other part is your spirit. Now, the spirit in us is the part that is born again, that lives forever, that's going to be with Jesus Christ. So, so that's one of the types of spirit. So we have spirit in us. Um, a second type of spirit is angels. Angels are spirits uh, from, from the throne of God, and they serve God's people, and they execute the, the justice of God. They do what God wants. It's kind of like God's mega staff. I mean, he, he uses these guys to do anything and everything that needs, needs to be done. I say, guys, I don't know if they're female uh, angels or male, but I don't think it matters. I really don't, because that's not even an issue. Uh, you know, it's, we, do, we just know this. There are these angels, and I don't believe they're little puffy, floaty things. I believe they're powerful and they're stunning. Uh, And they they do God's work. And 
they, they serve you, God. Yeah, we, don't, we don't talk to angels. We don't pray to angels because we pray to God and God sends his angels. And so that's the second type of spirit. A third type of spirit is the Holy Spirit, God. Well, God is spirit. So God is in three forms, Father, Son, Spirit, and, uh, and Holy Spirit. And just like we are a three-part being, God is a three-part being as well. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But they're all spirit, but the Holy Spirit is actually what comes and lives in us and dwells in us. And so that's a third type of spirit. And then there is a fourth type, and, and it's fallen angels. We, and we use the term demons for that. Uh, Satan and demons, they are all fallen angels. Satan is not like Jesus' brother who sinned and, and got cast down. I've heard people say that before. No, he's not his brother. He's not his equal. He was, a, he was actually an angel in heaven who tried to lead a resurrection. And uh, his name was Lucifer and cast down to earth with, with a third of the angels from heaven, and that became demons. So there are demon spirits. So again, four types of spirits. So we need to understand, just when you hear the word spirit or spiritual, what is it really talking about? Now, as wise believers, learn that, get that, begin to understand that, because I think we all need to, we need to, to, to especially be a little more wise in today's world. But, but this, is, this is important. The spirit world is a whole lot more active than most of us think it is. It really is really is. See, the spirit world, for the most part, is invisible to us. We don't see it. Uh, throughout the scriptures, there have been uh, times where, where God has given people glimpses into the spirit realm, or they see what's happening around them, and they're going, oh my goodness, I thought I was alone, and there's this huge host of angels here, or, or angels and demons, and, and those types of things, and, and we usually don't see that. And sometimes God allows you to glimpse at those things, but, uh, but typically not. I don't think we should necessarily seek after that either. Uh, because we, we, don't need, we don't need that, but we just need to know this. The spirit world is very, very active among us. And, uh, and there's a scripture that is one of my, it's kind of one of my top 20 core scriptures, and I, I love it. I love it a lot. I talked about it last week, and I wanted, want you to look at it again, and it's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. And this talks about a spirit and, and, uh, and, and I want you to catch this spirit here of what, what he's talking about. Uh, Paul's, Paul's writing to Pastor Timothy. He's the pastor of the, of the church in Ephesus, which would have been at that time been a mega, mega church in, in Ephesus. And he says to this, he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now I'm reading from the New King James here first. God has not given us a spirit, okay, there's the word spirit, of fear. All right, but he says, but of, and so when he says of, that you can connect that word back to spirit. So, but he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. All right, that's the New King James Version. I want to read it to you from the New American Standard also. That's typically the Bible I study for. I usually preach from, I usually preach from NIV, study from NASB, but, but I want you to listen to this. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity. I like that because he uses a different term there instead of fear, which we found, find in NIV and New King James, others. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, all right, a spirit of love and a spirit of discipline. Now, 
That's different, again, from what we saw in others. Uh, New King James uses the term uh, sound mind, which is is actually a very good translation. Uh, New American Standard uses the term uh, self-discipline, but discipline is really, discipline and sound mind are really good, and that's why I I put both of these scriptures up there, because I think it's it's important that, that we get this. Now, we talked last week about unfriending fear. Now, what, what is this fear? This fear, if you look into the Bible, what this fear, word fear actually meant to its original hearers is this. It means timidity, and it means faithlessness, and it means fear. Fear, faithlessness, and timidity. Now, here's what I want you to do so that you can begin to understand that that doesn't come from God. That is a spirit. In other words, that's a, that's a demon spirit from hell. If it doesn't come from God, okay, you know where it comes from. It comes from hell. So what is the opposite of fear? What is the opposite of timidity? What is the opposite of faithlessness? And I, I did this exercise with the staff this week and asked them to, to come up with the opposites on those, and they immediately were able to spout those off. You can too. The opposite is what God actually gives you. But then God clarifies it. Uh, you know, Paul clar- clarifies it as he's giving this word from God about what the kind of spirit is that we're supposed to uh, really embrace, and that's really more of what I'm talking about today. Now, when I talk about fear, please understand I'm not talking about the emotion of fear, like fight or flight. Uh, that's that's a that's a good thing. I mean, we're supposed that's that's something God naturally has built into us. I mean, you go outside and you see a snake. I mean, they're like, oh, kitty baby snake. You know, I, I I don't do that. I don't do that. You walk outside and see a copperhead. I don't I don't just like, oh, what a cute copperhead. I've I've never done that. It's like let's kill the copperhead. Yeah, because but but there is there's fear and. This is a different one. And there's another type of fear that's in the scriptures. It's the fear of God. And that's an holy awe. It's a respect. And, and so that's a very different kind of fear also. But what I'm talking about here today, that I'm talking about this fear that doesn't come from God, which is a demonic spirit. And, and, and I want you to know this. It is prevalent in society. It's prevalent around the world. It's like wherever you go, that spirit is really there. And, uh, and, and, and right now during the season, that spirit is really manifesting itself in a huge way. And you, you guys all know that. But if you entertain that spirit, if you, you kind of like go there with it, well, then you're going to find yourself uh, beginning to shut down. Because what, what the, uh, that spirit of fear will do, the spirit of fear will control you and manipulate you. Now, what happens when you, uh, when, when you begin to give in to this fear? Well, the, the, what's actually happening with you is you're giving a wrong focus to your life. Your life is focused on the wrong things. And so, so like you're, maybe you're focusing on the news. You're focusing on just your desires. You're focusing on just the world or, or turmoil or whatever or, or your own problems. That invites and gives place to the spirit of fear. Do you understand that? And, and, uh, and so instead, what we do is we focus on the word of God. We're worshipers. You know, one of the ways we dispel that spirit, even in this atmosphere and at home, is, is we sing and we worship God. We pray, we read the word of God, and it displaces that. Now, right now here in this room, I'm telling you guys, there's probably very little of the spirit of fear that's active right now because you've been engaged with this. You see? In fact, you may have even experienced it one hour earlier, and right now you're feeling the soothing. That's because these things cause that to be displaced, all right? Uh, and, and the spirit of fear can, can 
really find, get, a, get a little foothold in us through using wrong words or being involved in conversations we shouldn't be, making statements we shouldn't be making. But, but here's what I'm going to challenge you to do is to cast out and displace the spirit of fear. It's two things. It's cast it out, but displace it. So, so really something else has to take its place. Something else has to take its place. Last week I talked about unfriending that spirit of fear, but that's really, that, that whole thing of casting it out, it's like that, that's kind of the first step. Like I'm not going to be your friend anymore. Now it's time like get out, get out. And I'm saying this to some of you guys, you need to, you need to tell that spirit of fear that has been in your home, that's been in your business, that's been in your life, get out, get out in the name of Jesus Cast it out in the name of Jesus. And I don't want that spirit of timidity, faithlessness, and fear. I do not want that. And so I was like, get out of my home, get out of my family, get out of my business, get out of my car, you know. And we need to say that, displace it. Now, uh, and, and, and again, it is fear, and it's timidity, it's faithlessness. And, and you have authority in the name of Jesus to do that. Wherever you are, you do, because you carry the Spirit of God. And in fact, I have this little statement for you, and let's put it up on the screens, and it'll hopefully be showing up online here for you, but it's this. You just need to say this. Fear, timidity, faithlessness, that Spirit has no residence in me. That's right. Now, now I'm not saying that you're demon-possessed or something like that. I mean, that could be the case, but I'm, no, probably not. But, but, it, but, but it is, I'm saying that that spirit, you just need to say, get out. Get out. Get out. This is not your home. Some of you need to go home today, and you need to say it over your house. Spirit of timidity and faithlessness and fear, get out of this house in Jesus' name. If you're at home right now, you can say it, and you, you can beat everyone who's in here. You can start doing it right now, right where you are. And if you're a married couple, if you're a family that's watching, you guys do it together because the power of, of, of the, the combined faith of people causes even more huge things to happen. See, that spirit opposes God and everything God wants to do in you and in your life. That spirit of fear and timidity and faithlessness, it's going to keep you from uh, fulfilling your destiny. It is a force of hell that's going to keep your mind constantly racing and you're not going to be able to take steps forward. So here's the deal. So what God does is God, though, he gives us a different spirit. So we cast it out, but we also need to displace. We need to replace it, and, but, but it's, it's a process, you know, because sometimes it tries to creep back in, but it needs to be, we got to fill something back in here. So, so God gives us something else. He gives us something, a spirit that manifests itself as power, love, and a sound mind or discipline. His spirit... The Spirit of God is what's, what, what, what does this, okay? See, he gives us the Spirit that manifests as power, love, and sound mind and discipline. And that's the Holy Spirit, guys. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what we want more of, all right? See, that is going to displace it. Now, now he, here's the deal. With the Holy Spirit, you can either have a little or you can have a lot. And, and, uh, and the reason is, is like, the, you know, he, he does kind of leak out. <laughs> it really does. God, the Spirit flows into us and flows through us. But if we're not continually being filled with the Scripture tells us to, then it can leak out. See, when you become a follower of Christ, you ask Jesus Christ into your life, your spirit, your spirit is born again. All right? And, then, and that means you, you have that, that spirit is going to live forever. 
then the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. And he comes to dwell in our physical bodies. So the Holy Spirit then comes to live in you. But at the moment of salvation, you begin to operate in this new realm. Holy Spirit is in you, but you get to choose how much of the Holy Spirit's going to be there. That's why I, that's why like Holy Spirit Workshop is so very important because I want the resonance of the Holy Spirit to be great in you. And I, I love going to this every year because it even reminds me of how much more I need this. And, and, and a fullness of the Holy Spirit is where you're like saturated. You know, I, I picked up, a, I had a sponge that was sitting in the sink the other day and, and, uh, I left it there and came back a little bit later and, and picked it up and it was heavy and it was saturated and, 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 I, and I love that. It just reminds me of what the Holy Spirit does. It's not just a little, it's, it's a, there's a lot that's in there. He wants to inundate you. He wants you to cause, he wants to overflow in you. And, but, but part of what the Holy Spirit does, understand this, it's according to the measure of the Holy Spirit that you want. Again, it is all about your desire. You gotta want it, you gotta ask for it, you gotta have faith for it. All right? He comes automatically through salvation, but the level of the Holy Spirit in you is up to you. All right, so my challenge is, is you're going to displace that spirit of fear and timidity and faithlessness with the power of the Holy Spirit as much as you can get, and you're going to keep getting back for more, and that is going to give you power, love, and that sound mind and that discipline, and that's what happens. And, and we actually, I think we need all three of those. We need all three of those. Uh, and, and in fact, every one of these, all three of these, which is power, love, and the sound mind or discipline, they all demand dependence upon the Holy Spirit. It's, an, it's about emptying yourself. This, this is the important point. Because we as believers, and I think it's especially American believers or Western believers in general, we tend to think, I can just make this happen. I, 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 I can do this. I mean, we live in a culture of like, I can, I can pull this off. I can, I can. I can dream it, I can do it. And, and there's little sayings and things that we, I mean, there's a whole theme, there are whole theme parks built around this whole thing of just, whatever you imagine, whatever you dream, you can just do it on your own. Well, that's not really true. <laughs> Uh, because, because when we lean into that too heavily, what happens is we l- are leaning into our own abilities. Because the truth is, this is not about your own strength. This is about the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and the truth is, you guys need more of him. And I need more of him. And I'm not satisfied with yesterday's blessing of the Holy Spirit. I need it again today. And again, and again, and again. Because you're messed up. Yeah, you are. We all are. We're like, we're like these, these fractured clay pots that are just, they're just fractured. And there are cracks in you. <laughs> and there are imperfections in you. And but what happens is when you fill it with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, God takes those imperfections and God takes those weaknesses and all of a sudden you become much, much, much more stronger than ever before. But if you leave the Holy Spirit out, that allows that spirit of fear to come back in and the spirit of fear causes you to start looking at all the cracks, looking at all the weaknesses and saying, oh my goodness, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen here. I, I can't handle this. Well, no, you need to displace it with power, love, and that sound mind and that discipline. 
we are like these jars of clay. In fact, in fact, right here, I, I do not have this up here as a prop. Now, I, I know that, that some people, do, like a lot of people who do shows and videos and things like that, they always have a cup. They, they have a mug. Have you ever noticed that? I go, what is the deal about the mug? I mean, people love their mugs, and sometimes people just leave them there, and then people order their mugs. They're like, wait, that works. I don't want you to order this mug. I'm not selling a mug, and this is here on purpose. And, and, I, and I have nothing in here to drink, okay? It's empty, so don't get scared. Don't get worried. I don't have it up here to take a drink from. It's not a prop. Well, it's, it's a prop, but it's, it's not that kind of a prop. This is it for an illustration. This is my favorite mug. Now, I, I don't know about other people, but... I just I like have some favorite stuff. And this is my favorite mug. I have a, another version of it at home, but my favorite, favorite one stays here at the office. And it has a T on it, which means Tim. So don't try to take it and say, well, I'm Tina. Sorry, I'll come and grab this out of your hand, all right? But I love this mug, but I was, I was drinking. I, but, I, but, there, but early on, early on, when I got this mug quite a while ago, I bumped it against something, and there is this huge crack. It's a fissure that goes all the way on the inside from the very top almost to the bottom. Now, typically, when that happens, you're going to throw it away, right? But it's my favorite mug. And, and again, I, maybe it's just because I'm a man. I don't know, but I like to live with a little bit of risk. And so I, I, I'm not going to get rid of the mug. First of all, I like the mug. It may be cracked, but I still like it. One of these days, you know, the truth is coffee may be going into it, and it's going to burst and go all over the place. Like, yep, knew that was going to happen. Saw that coming. But in the meantime, I love my mug, but it's messed up. And, and I was over here drinking out of it the other day, and, and somebody caught me. Someone said, oh, you have a crack in that. You can't use it. You can't use it. Like, no, it's my favorite. Stay away. Stay away from it. But that's kind of like what God is doing to you. You've got cracks in you. You have these fissures in you. You know it. Come on, you know it. But you're God's favorite. He's not going to just get rid of you. He's not going to get rid of you. But see, he does something to you that I can't do to this, is he fills you with his glory, with his presence, his Holy Spirit, and that will prevent that crack from doing anything bad. Now, I can't stop this. I can hide it, but I can't stop it. But he can do that and wants to do that, and he wants to fill in that imperfection. And the funny thing is, I never notice the crack when it's full of coffee. I only notice the crack when it's empty. It's the same way fear works. You only are going to see the imperfections when you're empty of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, that fullness of the Holy Spirit is going to fill that stuff in. I like this. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says this, and I just want you to listen to this scripture here. It says, we have this treasure, talking about the Holy Spirit, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. <laughs> we're perplexed, but not in despair. We're, we're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. So this is like us, a cracked pot, a cracked mug, but it's full of the glory of God, the Holy Spirit, and amazing things happen. And there are those three elements of the Holy Spirit that is important to the displacing of fear. Now we already cast it out, but we got to displace it, replace and displace. And, and, and the, the first one is power. I teach on that a lot, so I'm not going to get too much into this, but, but uh, the, that word power in the original language 
is this term called dunamis. There are two types of power that's used in the New Testament. This is called dunamis. This is like, best way to describe it would be indwelling power of the Holy Spirit that explodes out, all right? And again, that's Holy Spirit workshop. You need to be here for that. And that's, that's the gifts of the Spirit. It's, it's supernatural power to minister to one another. And he, but here's the deal. The spirit of timidity, the spirit of faithlessness, and the spirit of fear is displaced by this dunamis power. You want it. You need it. And it's important. It's up to you as to how much you're going to get of it. All right? Here's the second type of, type of uh, the second element that comes with the Spirit of God. And it's what Rebecca spoke about earlier from the love chapter. It's, it's this word love. And it is the Greek term agape. And, and agape is a, it's a very different kind of love. It's not really seen anywhere else in, uh, in, in, in culture except within the family of God because it's a love of choice. This is the, a foundational quality of our faith. And, and uh, 1 Corinthians 13 goes into detail about how that works. And so what you shared earlier is really coincides directly with what we're talking about today. So God wants to fill you with this spirit of love. And, you, you know, it, and, and, and get this, it's not about you making yourself love someone. That's the amazing thing. The spirit of love comes from God and a flawed person that has trouble loving other people. Does anyone ever have trouble loving other people in this room? Okay, I'm the only one. But so now I know I saw your hands out there. And, and uh, you know, if you're at home, Paul, you know, raise your hand. I have trouble loving some people. Don't, don't look at the person next to you and say that. You, you deal with that. That's a, that's a different sermon, all right? But, but we all have trouble loving but that's when, when, when that happens, that's when we need the power of the Holy Spirit. God, fill me up. I'm seeing this crack again. God, this is something that, I've, that I just want your love because this love becomes completely different. You can love the person in spite of whatever. Don't you, don't you want to be able to do that? I know it's easy to say, well, some people don't do, that, don't do that to me. Of course they don't. But that doesn't mean that you're going to do that to others. Let the Spirit of God come, because that's actually what God is. God is love. God, and, and Jesus said this when, he was, when they were asking him, what is the most important thing that we need to do as, as, as your followers? Most important. And Jesus said, well, here it is. You just got to agape, love God, and agape other people, because God is love. All right? That's, that's, that's who God is. God is agape. God is love. And and. He says, then I'm going to, if you do that, you're going to be able to do everything else in the Bible. It's kind of interesting. If you just are able to love through the Spirit of God, you can do everything else in the Bible. Is that crazy or what? Yeah. All right, that is crazy. All right, but, but I want you to, to think of this now. Timidity, faithlessness, and fear is now displaced by that agape, but it only comes from the Spirit of God, and you've got to let it pour into you. It's up to you how much you get. Now, the third one, I talk about those a lot, but the third one is really the one I want us to focus on because as I was going back through the scripture that I introduced to you this last week or preached on this last week, I, I, I hit this last term, which you know sometimes is self-control, sometimes is a sound mind, sometimes it's discipline. And I, I, it's been a long time since I actually researched that word. I've, how is it used elsewhere in the Bible? What did it originally mean to its original hearers? What are the roots and the compounds and all that kind of stuff? So I, I, I like to do that, and I got into it and started studying it and reading more and more about this word that's not from my language and, and, and this word that's translated like sound mind or discipline. But it's this term, sophronismos, sophronismos. 
If you can say sophronismos, you have, are speaking another language. You're not speaking in tongues, but you're speaking in another language right there, okay? You're speaking in Greek. So sophronismos is the word, and, I, and it's, it's too complicated to say. Some of you are trying to say it real quiet right now. I, I, I can tell. It's fun to say it once you get to say sophronismos. Took me, it took me a couple of weeks to actually be able to say it on my own. But here's what it means. And keep in mind, it is a spirit. This is not us. Because the biggest mistake people make is we try to do this one because it comes across a sound mind, discipline. It comes across as something we have to psych ourselves up to do. And it hit me so hard, so hard this last week that that's not it. It is a spirit just like dunamis, just like agape, that God gives to pour in that's going to deal with these fissures, that's going to deal with these issues, all right? And so this sound mind, this discipline, this means, uh, again, the the definition is this, sound mind, self-control, discipline, sober. It means to be non-reactive and teachable. And here's the deal. We try to make, we try to do that on our own, right? We we, we do that. We're, We're taught to do that. We are taught in our society, do these things, make it happen. And I, that's, I think that's good, but that's not the spirit of Sophronosphos. And this is, this is the big thing that's on my heart. And I want you to catch this. This is all about something that's spirit-driven. It is not self-driven, and it is not soul-driven. This is not something that you can conjure up and force from within yourself. Sophronosphos is not the discipline that I used to get out of bed, put my feet on the floor, and start, you know, start moving this morning. That was a different type of discipline. That wasn't the spirit of anything. That was just like me, like, get up, Tim. I don't care. Get up. Get up. It's, it's morning. Um, so Franosmos is not necessarily uh, the, the, the discipline that you have to go to work or to read a book and those kinds of things. That's, that could actually be the same term, but this is the spirit of that. This is a spirit from the Holy Spirit that is going to make up for things because you can't be fully disciplined. You can't be full, you can't have a full sound mind. That's not even possible, okay? We've got to have the Holy Spirit. And when we begin to recognize our own brokenness, our own fractured heart and mind and our own fractured will, at that point, then the Holy Spirit can begin to do crazy amazing things in your life. See, the, this is something that God does. So here, here's how it works. With the power of the Holy Spirit, which is what I want for you, when the power of that Holy Spirit, that Spirit of God, that Spirit of that sound mind and discipline, it's going to, the Spirit of God is going to surge through you. He's going to give you focus. At the same time, he's going to give you flexibility. He's going to help you to not react. He's going to help you to be stable in your mind and in your emotions. You're going to be stable. You're going to have a sound, stable mind. You're going to have a disciplined mind that comes from the Spirit of God, and it's nothing you have to force on yourself. You can have a million quotes a day that helps you with those types of things, but I'm telling you what, the quotes are only going to take you so far. The Spirit of God is going to take you to a whole new level, and that's what I want for you. That's what I want for you. I want you to get it. I want you to receive it, and I want you to admit that you don't have it all together because when you start to admit, that's actually when it begins to work. You see, it works best when you're weak. As a little kid, one of the first songs I learned was Jesus Loves Me. And if you guys learned that as, as a little child, you know, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And it goes, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is what? 
strong. And then around our house, we go, fortalece, you know. Uh, it's, it's Spanish, you know. She speaks Spanish, not me. So it's, I, I love that song. That was actually my favorite song growing up. But there was something about that last line. I, I, I liked it, but I didn't like it. Okay, now, I'm a young boy growing up. And I'm the, the fourth of, of, uh, in a line of boys. And, and, and my dad's a pastor. And so I understand this. I'm understanding, at least at this point, the thing about God. And God's all awesome. And, and he's all powerful. And, but they say, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. But then my brothers would say, or my dad would say, show me your muscles. Or I'd go to church and someone would say, show me your muscle. And I'd like, do that, you know, show, show my, my elbow, which wasn't my muscle. But I'd show it to him, like, yeah. Like, ooh, big muscle, yeah, I'm strong. And then, I was, then we'd sing at church, he's weak, but I, I'm weak. And I'm like, well, I thought I, was, I, thought I, was just, I thought I was strong. I want to be strong. I want to be strong. I don't want to be weak. And God is strong. I'm, I'm all into that. I, I was into that as a kid. It was, that's actually very reassuring to a child. God is all-powerful. All but I never really realized this, is that when I finally admitted that I, was, that I don't have all the strength in the world, when I realized, when I finally admit that I don't have it all together in my adult life, that it's okay to be weak. Now, being weak doesn't mean that you're wimpy or that you're, you're you know, you, you just like, whatever, I just don't care about anything. I, I don't know about that. But being weak means you recognize there are issues. Okay? This mug looks pretty solid. That's because it's nice and painted up, but I'll tell you, it's also weak. It's weak. So when we begin to admit our weakness, that's when the Holy Spirit begins to rush in. So here's what we have to do. We have to die to ourselves. Because when, when we recognize it, that we are weak and that he is strong, something can begin to shift in us. We're going to want more of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to be in this thing of constantly being empty all the time. You're going to keep coming back to God. God, I need more of this. God, I want to keep this fear, this timidity, this this, this faithlessness, I want to displace it. So I need your spirit. I need this spirit of sophomores. I, I need it. Because what God's going to do, he's going to fill in your weaknesses. And he's going to make you stronger and better than any Rocky. All right? You're going to be, you're going to be strong. Now, I want you to look at this second passage of scripture that I asked you to look up today. And it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians 12 says this. This is when Paul was going through a time. I'm, I'm thinking Paul was a strong guy. He was. He, he, he had to be, first of all, you know, he, he had to be a strong guy. He traveled the world. Like physically, he, you know, he, he, did, he did amazing stuff and shipwrecks and all kinds of stuff. I mean, they would beat him and they'd flog him and kick him out of town. All kinds of stuff happened to him. But Paul was also a man who recognized that he had flaws, weaknesses. It's, it's kind of interesting because in the New Testament, he's probably one of the most transparent people because he talks a lot about it. He doesn't give us a lot of detail, but he talks a lot about it. So in one of these times, he's talking to God about his weakness. And look at it, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look at verse 9. He's, he's talking to God saying, God, help me with this. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. His grace comes from his spirit, okay? For my power, and that word is dunamis, okay? You catching this? My power is made perfect in your weakness. 
So Paul gets this word from God. It's like, wait a minute. His power makes it perfect when I'm weak. And so he goes on to say, and so you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Because the more I talk about my weaknesses, the more I'm going to illuminate it, even on my own mind, not really for everybody else, because I don't care what they think, but I'm going to go ahead and let that be so that I'm very clear that I have some flaws. So God, you just need to keep filling it in. And then he says, that is why, for Christ's sake, that, that's where, when, you know, on our little uh, terminology, some people say, for Christ's sake, why don't you, that's actually where they get it right here. All right. That is why, for Christ's sake, Okay, here's the truth. That's, that's, I don't think that's actually how it was meant, but, but I like saying it that way, all right? So just, just bear with me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in what? Okay, that's crazy. That goes against everything you've been taught. It does. But if you want to displace that, in, that timidity, it's a spirit of timidity, not just a normal, because some people are timid, just normal, but now it's a spirit of timidity. If you want to displace that faithlessness, if you want to displace that fear, then you've got to say, I am just going to delight in the weaknesses. Some people have been insulting you, saying mean all kinds of things to you and about you. Just delight in it because that means you're weak and it hurts you. And you know, you're going to delight in the hardship. Some of you are going through some hardship right now. Just go ahead and delight in it. Delight in the persecutions. It's like, you know, people are going to come against me. Uh, yesterday, it's like on Facebook, I got attacked by like a Nazi person with Nazi flags. And I'm like, just go away. You know? But that's not very bad persecution. Again, because you can always just hit the word block. You hit block, block, and they're gone. But I'm going to delight in those things, delight in difficulties. Why? Oh, come on, get this next part. If you don't get anything today, get this right here. When I am weak, then I am what? Come on, say it. If you're watching right now, I want you to say it as well. Say it in this room. I want you to say those words. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Come on, say it. Say it like you really mean it. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Weakness... That weakness, when it is, when the Holy Spirit comes in the way you want it to, it's going to drive out and displace that timidity, that faithlessness, that fear, and understanding you are that cracked piece of pottery. But, but you know what? It's time for you to stop acting like the crack is there. I mean, stop acting like the crack isn't there. Stop trying to hide it. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. I want you to hear me. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Do you know what? Humility, self-initiated humility. I, I don't recommend asking God to humble you because God does answer prayers and it may not turn out the way you'd like for it to turn out. But there's a lot of scripture that says we're to humble ourselves. It doesn't, the fact that I, I've never found it in the Bible where it says ask God to humble you. So... That's, that's, that's an action you've got to take on your own. Humble yourself. David says this in Psalm chapter 51, verse 17. I want you guys to come up here. Let's get ready for some worship here. Because he says this. He says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. That is humility. That's brokenness. This, my friend, is the king, the king the real tough guy, the guy who kills Goliath. You want to talk about a tough guy? That, that's him right there, David. He, he's the one who slayed Goliath. He's, David had killed his tens of thousands. David was, was this amazing leader. He was the king. And, but he's saying, for me, really, 
my offering to God is being broken. It's brokenness. That word contrite, that contrite heart, look at that in Psalm 51, 17. That word contrite heart literally means a collapsed heart. Not speaking of your physical heart, but it just means of your own insides. It's collapsed. That's what God's looking for. That's what God's looking for. You know what? You need to stop polishing yourself up for God. Stop it. Just stop the nonsense. You know, I mean, God's not some business client that you're going to try to sell something to. Come on. Why are you polishing yourself up for him? Think about this. Who, who gets to see your real self, your raw self? It'd be your family. It's people you live with, right? They actually get to see the real, the raw, everything. They, they, they really do. It's like a couple gets married and then they see each other the next morning. I'm like, oh, wow, I, I didn't see that in engagement. But, but the thing is, love begins to conquer all that. I, I, raised, I raised three boys and, and uh, you know, I've, I've, I saw those boys at their worst, you know. They were... They, they get up in the morning, their hair's all popped up and their shirt's on backwards and they even put their pants on backwards, their shoes on the wrong feet and they're just like, you know, and it's okay at home. It's just all right, all right because you are who you are. And I'm dad and I'm just looking at him, it's like, it's okay, but you know what, if you're gonna go out and we're gonna get you, get you looking good, but God is like our dad. <laughs> he already knows. He already knows. Stop trying to impress him. He's not looking at your outward appearance. He's looking at your what? Your heart. A broken and contrite heart is what he sees and what he wants you to identify in yourself and he wants you to take action on it through humility. When you do that, you begin to ask for that Holy Spirit to come in. The Spirit of God today is going to fill some gaps. The Spirit of God is going to displace some, some uh, fear and timidity and faithlessness. Today, the Spirit of God is going to begin just to rush over some of those flaws and do an amazing thing in you. So here's the deal. The big question again is what spirit you got? What spirit you got? Some spirit from hell? Or it's going to be the spirit of God? And the way to do this is to be broken. To be a person of surrender. Surrender. Just surrender it to God. Surrender yourself to God. And here's the deal. We talk about it good, but we don't do it good. I'm asking you to start doing it. I, I believe in this day and age, I believe in this new era that we're in, brokenness is going to be critical for your advancement. I really believe it. I really believe it. And, and I'm going to ask us to practice this in the presence of God right now. I'm asking you to surrender to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> surrender to His power dunamis surrender to his love and more than anything though surrender to his spirit of a sound mind and discipline let him come and fill this up right now we sang a song earlier and and we're going to sing it again we're going to spend some time worshiping and praying here but the, the the song starts off i surrender i surrender i want to know you more the first thing our mind goes to on that song is I want to know, more, know you more. That means like, yeah, I want to know more stuff about you. I want to know more Bible stories. I want to know more, you know, things about you. I like to, like to understand your characteristics. 
That's not what that song's about. When it says, I want to know you more, that's like know in the old King James Version, uh, you know, like Adam and Eve knew each other. They, they, they knew each other, and then, bam, there's Cain and Abel. So it speaks of intimacy. I want to be intimate with you, God. God, I want to experience you. I want to be totally surrendered to you. It's time for me to quit dressing up for God and trying to be spiffy for him because he already sees, he's just saying, I just want you to admit it so I can come in and take care of the rest. And he wants to do that right now in this place. Here's what I'm going to ask us to do. (laughs) I'm going to ask you guys to just get in a position of worship and, and it could be standing. It may just mean to literally be on your knees. And if you can, it's funny because I think every song we sang today talked about getting on your knees. If it means getting on your knees, if you can do that, do it. God, I surrender. It's not about me. I need you. I need you. I need, and if God, if I don't get you, I'm toast. I need a lot of you. I need a lot of you. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. This needs to be the cry of your heart for this new season. This needs to be the cry of your heart because because God wants to pour into you. God wants to make you solid. God wants to do amazing stuff in you and through you. But it's not anymore about trying to prove something, sucking yourself up, dazzling the world. No, it's about humbling yourself and allowing for the presence of God to come in. And I'm asking us to do this across this room right now. I'm asking you guys to lead us into the worship. Lead us into the presence of God. And I want us to do this together. Come on, start leading us. I surrender. Lift it up to the Lord right now, guys. Come on. Just tell him. Tell him you need him. Surrender yourself to Jesus. Come on. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.